It's already been a good morning. And it's exciting to be a part of um, what God is doing. But I'm going to encourage you all to press in a little bit longer. Because I feel like um, the topic that I've been working on and preparing goes along with what God's already been doing this morning, um, which was confirmation for me. Um, You guys didn't know what was coming. I did, and I kept thinking, okay, God, you've got this. He's got this. He has he had the early prayer and the prophetic prayer and the worship all lined up together before any of us started planning it, right? Because he's amazing like that. So, um, this morning, the topic that we're going to be looking at is cultivating an unoffendable heart. I was trying to think of, like, you know, kind of a funny way to start a sermon like this. And um, I guess, you know, we all kind of have those things in our lives that kind of offend us or rub us the wrong way that are silly things. Like maybe some people really get frustrated if the toilet paper roll was put on upside down, you know. Or maybe it really, like, it's almost offensive to you when your siblings are chewing loudly. Or your children. Um, Or maybe it's, I don't know, something silly like the toothpaste tube. But the reality is, um, there's a lot of things that are a little more serious than that. That can cause stress in our lives. And that can cause us to get offended. Um, There's a list that was compiled by Lizette Molina for for the American Institute of Stress. It was published on livestrong.com last August. And it said the top stressors in our lives can be organized into five categories. Family and friends or relationships. Life changes like Pregnancy, death, divorce, money, work, and health issues. It's not surprising. That list is not surprising, is it? Those are, like, those can be stressful things. And it's also not surprising that relationships are kind of on the top of that list. Because the reality is we're all human. We're all born with a selfish, sinful nature. And it takes work to get along. It takes work to build healthy relationships. Um, I, you're never, I don't think you're going to ever be able to get rid of the children's pastor in me. So I was trying to think of a way to kind of like illustrate what happens when we allow stress and offenses to build up in our lives. So, Miss Callie, can you come up here, please? <laughs> this is your first Sunday out here, isn't it? Welcome to the big service. You're good. Can you wear a backpack? Of course you can. All right. You've been wearing one for two weeks already. Okay. So perhaps, how about you come over here? So perhaps you have a situation where um, a friend just kind of, like, looks at you the wrong way. 
And it's no big deal, but it's just like irritates you a little bit, you know. And you go through your day, but your backpack feels a little bit heavier, right? And then maybe you get to the lunchroom and your best friend sat at a different lunch table and now you are all alone and you don't have anyone to sit with at lunch. That feels a little bit heavier, doesn't it? This is how your backpack backpack feels. How many books do you have in your backpack? see your computer is heavy all right maybe you're going through your day and your backpack's just feeling a little bit heavier because you've got these rocks that are just starting to bother you these little things that on by themselves should be no big deal but piled on top of each other it starts to feel a little bit heavier and then you get home and you have two brothers don't you And then you get home and you realize that not only do you need to do your chores, but your brothers have sports after school. And the stuff, the trash has to be emptied, so it's your job to pick up after them as well. How's that backpack feeling? Say it again. Heavy. It's heavy. Is it starting to feel like a burden? Is it starting to weigh you down a little bit? Yeah. Thank you. Do you want to slide out of it? (laughs) And some of us carry this backpack around all day. And the next day we pick it up and we carry it again. And that backpack becomes a burden. And that backpack holds us back from the things that we know God wants us to do. And eventually, our back, our physical backs, are going to hurt. And we'll start having physical symptoms as a result of the weight that we are carrying. I'd like to look at some of the teachings of Jesus today. And the first one that I want to look at is in Matthew chapter 11. So I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 11. We're going to look at verses 28 through 30. Jesus is speaking here to his disciples, and he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me, Jesus says, come to me. All of you who are weary and burdened, all of you, who are weary, who are exhausted with toil and burden and grief, all of you who are weighted down with burdensome requirements and your consciousness of sin, come to me and I will give you rest. That is the promise that Jesus says. When you come to me, he says, I will give you rest. But here's our part. Because we have a choice in this. Here's our part. Take my yoke 
upon you and learn from me. What is a yoke? Does anybody know what a yoke is? You may need to skip a couple of the slides, Chuck. Sorry, I kind of forgot about some of them. What is a yoke? Solomon. Right. And it connects them to a far, the, the plow or whatever farm instrument that's being pulled. And in this picture, we, we see a double yoke because Jesus is saying, come to me. Take my yoke upon you. Be yoked with me. And it sounds like it's, that's a really cool illustration, right? But something that I learned this summer, to me, helped to make it, um, give it a, a more practical understanding. In the Jewish times, when the rabbis would talk about their yoke, it was their teachings. So Jesus is saying, not only come to me and I will help to carry your load, but he says, be yoked with me, carry my teachings, learn from me, learn my ways. Take my teachings upon you. Also, when you were yoked together, if, when the oxen were yoked together, they were united. If they did not walk together, they would get nowhere. Even today, if you have, maybe not so much with oxen, but if you've got two draft horses that you want to teach to work in the field, it's not uncommon to put a a less experienced one with a more experienced one so that the, the younger one, the less experienced one, will learn from the older one. It's that picture of learning to be united so that you can pull together. Jesus is saying, be united with me. Take my teachings upon you. Learn from me, and then you will have rest. Okay, that sounds cool, doesn't it? That sounds good. We're good, right? Until we start looking at some of his teachings and go, Jesus, this is upside down. This is not the normal way of our culture this is not the, the normal social way of doing things, right? Sometimes we have to take on the hard teachings in order to truly have rest for our souls. So Jesus is saying, when you encounter the stressors, the difficulties, the offenses, the burdens that will come, he says, come to me, take up my yoke, take up my teachings, learn my ways, and you will find peace and rest and refreshment for your soul. My yoke is easily carried. Being united with me makes your burden light. Okay, so... We've got this backpack that's burdening us. And Jesus is saying, come, I'll help you carry it. Learn how to take care of this backpack so you can have rest. So your soul will be at rest. So let's look at some more of his teachings. I'd like to look at Luke chapter 17. Now, 
We'll read it in a couple different versions just because you know that by now. If you have heard me teach before, I kind of like words. So, um, Luke 17, starting, we'll read verses 1 through 5. Then Jesus said to his disciples, It is impossible that no offenses should come. But woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. any of you have ever read this book, The Bait of Satan, or if you have never read this book, The Bait of Satan, I encourage you to pick it up and read it. Um, I'm going to read just a couple, a couple portions of it today, but it's a really, really good book that dives deeper into um, the whole topic of how to have an unoffendable heart. So here, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And it's kind of interesting because by now this is later on in his ministry. So the disciples have been with him. They witnessed many great and notable miracles. They watched in amazement as blind eyes were opened and even as dead Lazarus was raised, right? They heard Jesus command a life-threatening storm to stillness. And they saw thousands fed by the miracle of the multiplication of a few loaves and fish. The list of Jesus' miracles and wonders is so inexhaustible that, according to the Bible, a world of books could not contain it. Never before had mankind witnessed the miraculous hand of God in such an overwhelming and tangible way. Amazed and awed as the disciples were, it was not the miracles that pushed them to this point, but rather... It was the instruction to forgive that made them say, Lord, increase our faith. Jesus said, it is impossible that no offenses should come. In other words, you're not going to get through life without opportunities to be offended. The question is not, will, I, will you make it through life without being offended? But rather, the question is, how will you respond when there's an opportunity for offense? How will you respond when you feel offended by the people around you? Let's break this down. I'd like to look at each, each thought here a little bit deeper. Um, Number one, opportunities to take offense are sure to come. Now I'm going to read from the Amplified Version because that helps to bring in a deeper understanding of what the Greek words are. So verse one in the Amplified Version says, Jesus said to his disciples, stumbling blocks, temptations, and traps set to lure one to sin are sure to come. It's kind of like those other verses that he talks about, like, don't be surprised if there's troubles in your life. 
Remember, trials help to produce joy in us. It's like those hard verses that we like to skip over when we're reading. But I think we need to trust what Jesus is saying here. Because he's the one who created us. And he knows what's going to bring rest for our souls. He knows what's going to bring peace in our hearts. So Jesus is saying, these stumbling blocks, these offenses and temptations and traps are sure to come. See, we have an enemy who is crafty and full of deceit. And he likes to set traps. He likes to set traps for us. Usually they're hidden away, right? Not out in the open for sure. It's as you're walking along and the trap is hidden that you're vulnerable to get caught. And a lot of times, one of the main things that Satan will use to bait that trap is offense. Chuck, can you go ahead and show the the video clip? There was sound, but it's okay. Offense is impossible to avoid. It's tempting. And all you see is the bait on that trap. You don't see the trap until it's got you. And then you're stuck. In all of this, I want us to remember... That even in our relationships, in, our, in the natural realm, and in our relationships where we tend to take offense, there is a spiritual dynamic that's happening. And remember, in Ephesians 6, Paul teaches us, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So there's this two-dimensional thing that happens as we're living out our everyday lives in our natural relationships. There's also that spiritual dynamic that can bring um, a twisting and... um, Lies and slander and things like that that the enemy will use to bait the trap and catch us and hold us prisoner. There may be times when we feel like our brother or our sister, our spouse, our friend, a co-worker, our mother-in-law, I say that funny just because that's like our society, but the sad thing is people people latch onto that pretty quickly, don't they? 
There may be times that those people, it feels like they've become our enemy. And so we have this dynamic that we're trying to work through naturally, but also we've got that spiritual dynamic. So I encourage you to remember in those times of difficult relationships, in those times when you're tempted to take offense at people, remember the spiritual dynamic as well and how the enemy just wants to get in there and twist things and make you turn against each other because that's how he traps you and that's how he keeps us ineffective in God's kingdom. All right, so what is Jesus' yoke? What is his teaching in response to this point here? In response to the fact that offenses will come. What is Jesus' teaching? How can we be yoked with him as we approach these things? In Matthew 5, 44 through 47, Jesus says, I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may show yourselves to be the children of your Father who is in heaven. He goes on to... um, The rest of those verses are really good, but this is the part that I really wanted to focus on. Jesus says, love your enemies. He says, these stumbling blocks, these temptations, these trials, these opportunities to take offense, they will come because you live in a fallen world. But Jesus' teachings, his yoke says love. His teachings, his yoke says pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who offend you. I don't know about you guys, but like that's kind of hard. How do you pray for someone that you're kind of mad at? why we need the Holy Spirit to help us. Jesus has this yoke. He has his ways. He has his teachings. But to be honest, we can't do it in our own strength. We need his strength to live his way. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to help us live the way Jesus is calling us to live. And we still have choices. So we can choose to harden our hearts. Or we can choose to allow God to purify our hearts. We can choose to play the part of a victim. And maybe 99% of the issue is the other person's. And we do feel like the victim. Or maybe we have been the victim. But we have the choice whether we walk in that or we choose to sow seeds of love. And I'm not saying those choices are easy. And I don't want anyone to feel like I'm up here saying you have to choose to love. I'm saying, talk to Jesus about it. Choose to be yoked with him. Ask him to help you walk in his ways. 
And he'll show you. He'll show you how to do it. Let's move on. The end of verse 1 and into verse 2. So Jesus is saying, these offenses and stumbling blocks are bound to come. But woe, judgment is coming to him through whom those stumbling blocks come. It would be better for him if a millstone as large as one turned by a donkey were hung around his neck and he were hurled into the sea than for him to cause one of these little ones to stumble in sin and lose faith. I'm glad that Jesus is the judge and not me. Many, many times I've wanted to step into the judge's role and pronounce judgment or mete out justice. I'm sure we've all been there because the reality is part of being made in the, in the image of God is that we have a sense of justice within us because God is just. But when it comes to these types of situations, let's let God be the judge because he says he is the judge. He says he is the law. There's only one lawgiver and judge. The one who is able to save or destroy. The one God who has the absolute power of life and death. God also says, vengeance is mine and I will repay. So you don't need to take revenge. Another one of Jesus' yokes. Another one of his teachings was about judgment. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, Jesus says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. In the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? And pay no attention to the plank in your own. What are you guys doing? Can you see where you're going? I don't think either of you really can see very well, can you? All right. Isn't that true? I know I've been guilty of it. And I think if we're all honest, we all can be really quick to see a speck in somebody else when our plank is ten times as long. That's part of the sinful nature that we have to deal with. Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon me. Take my teaching upon upon you. Sorry, take my yoke upon you. Take my teachings upon you. 
Do not judge. Allow me to be the judge. I just want to stop for a moment and just invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Jesus, I thank you that you are good. I thank you that you are here with us. Thank you that you've been preparing our hearts to hear your word this morning. And we just invite you to speak to us. We thank you that you are gentle and full of mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, we have a choice. Right? We can choose not to pass judgment, but allow God to work out judgment in his timing. And that's not an easy choice. But it's God's way. It's the way of Jesus. And so when we enter that yoke with him, when we take on his teachings and are united with him, he will help us walk in that way let's look at verse 3 so Jesus is saying don't be surprised if offenses come because that's going to happen he's saying let me be the judge and in verse 3 he's saying look out for one another in other words seek reconciliation Verse 3 says, pay attention and always be on guard, looking out for one another. If your brother sins and disregards God's precepts, solemnly warn him. And another one of his yokes, another one of his teachings in Matthew 18, 15 says, if your brother or sister sins against you, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. And if they listen to you, you have won them over. And it goes on to, to give instruction for further reconciliation if step one doesn't work. I don't want to focus on the negative part of this. The reality is these teachings are hard. I've wrestled hard with them this week, and I'm not perfect. But God's word is powerful. And so today, I feel like I need to be obedient and read his word. And I submit it to you and I ask you to let it penetrate into your heart. But what I do know here is we need to, we need to move with caution when we see these verses. Because many, many times, if a brother has sinned against us, our response is, well, the Bible says I'm supposed to come to you and tell you you sinned against me. Please hear my heart. 
the reason that these verses are in here is because Jesus says, be reconciled together so you can continue to work together, minister together, and walk together. And if you go to your brother who has sinned against you and you're carrying that anger and that spirit of revenge and you're carrying that hurt and it's oozing out all over you, you're not ready to talk to your brother. These verses are truth. But God needs to prepare our hearts before we can go to someone and approach them for reconciliation. Does that make sense? Believe me, I've been shaking all morning. This is not fun to preach. But something that was spoken during prophetic prayer really resonated in my heart. And I don't even remember exactly what it was, Carla. But God, like all this rain is a symbol of God wanting to wash stuff, to cleanse the earth, right? And to wash things out spiritually. And I feel like this is one of them. We cannot continue to be effective in God's kingdom if we're carrying that backpack with us. We just can't. We get tired. We get weary. This thing gets heavy. And then we don't have the energy to go and invest in the people around us because we're tired and we're weary. And I need to repent of a couple different things. But first of all, I need to repent about the whole rain thing because I've been grumbling about the rain. And those of you who have occupations that deal with the land might have been grumbling too. And so I just repent and I just say, God, whatever you are doing in the spiritual, we see in the natural and I don't want to hold it back. And if our peaches don't taste good this year, so be it. If it means that God will be able to break through in this region. And if the golf players can't come out and golf, because it's too rainy and wet. So be it, because we're going to hang on to that promise that God is at work. Okay, now that's taken care of. Number four. Let's look at the very end of verse three into verse four. So, if you go to your brother, when your heart is in love and with a good motive and your brother repents and changes forgive him do y'all know the story of Jonah in the story of Jonah he's this prophet who had a hard time obeying God and he got swallowed by a whale and then he got spit back up and he finally obeyed God and went to the city of Nineveh And he was so excited to pronounce judgment on the city because they were a wicked city. And it's not just according to the records of the Bible that Nineveh was wicked. If you look at the records of the Assyrians and the ancient history, you know the Assyrians were wicked people. And Jonah was like, yes, I can declare God's judgment on them and God's going to come and wipe them out. And 
He pronounced God's judgment on them, and they repented. And Jonah got offended with God. Because that didn't work out the way he thought it was going to work out. Jesus is saying, if your brother repents, forgive them. And not just once. Even if he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times and says, I repent, you must forgive him. In this situation, forgiving him means give up resentment and consider the offense annulled. You know, there was a time when Peter was asking Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive my brother? Remember, Peter was kind of the impulsive one. He was kind of all or nothing. Um, You know, the one that stepped out of the water, uh, stepped out of the boat and started walking on the water. Like, you know, how many times do I have to forgive my brother? Jesus said to him in Matthew 18, I tell you, oh no, Peter said, how many, how many times shall I forgive my brother? Up to seven times? That seemed like a lot. Like, really? Seven times? Even seven times in the same day? You have to forgive your siblings? Are you serious? What'd you say? Oh my, you're right. Okay, so, and Jesus said, no, not up to seven times. Peter was probably like, phew. Jesus said, how about, how many times? 70 times 7. Do we have any math nerds in here? 70 times 7. Nope. Elijah, you are right. 490 times. In other words, who's going to keep track 490 times? Jesus is saying, forgive, forgive, forgive. Our forgiveness should be based on God's unlimited forgiveness toward us. I'm not going to take time to read on in Matthew 18, but if you would like to look into that a little bit more, the rest of Matthew 18 um, is a story that Jesus told his disciples of this whole concept of forgiveness and how forgiveness is not based upon what we think we should do, but it is based upon God's forgiveness of us. God's forgiveness of us and our offense toward him, our sin toward him, that is the basis of, our, of his instruction for us to forgive others. All right. <clears throat> Let me skip ahead here a little bit. Number five. So we get through this teaching, and Jesus' disciples said to him, Lord, increase our faith. Increase our ability to trust in you and your power so that we can forgive, so that we can walk in freedom, so that we don't need to carry this burden with us. There's something else here real quick before I talk about a few steps in cultivating an unoffendable heart. Sometimes 
we're not offended with somebody else. Sometimes we're offended with God. In the last couple years, I've had to wrestle with that. There have been times that I've said, God, is this really worth it? God, are the nations worth it? Is your call to the nations worth the toil that it takes? And I felt like he's walked with me in that. And he said, yes. The nations are worth it. The nations are worth the price that any of us have to pay. But I want to encourage you to search your heart and allow God to show you if there's something in your relationship with him that is causing you to not be able to trust him in a deeper way. Because that's what offense will do. Let's look at a few steps for cultivating an unoffendable heart. Number one, recognize you've been hurt. God knows. And it doesn't do any of us good to pretend. Right? Go to him and recognize that you've been hurt. And confess that hurt to him. He already knows it's there. And he wants you to be able to carry his teachings. He wants to be yoked with you. So come to him. Recognize you've been hurt. Confess your hurt to the Lord. Be open to his correction and direction. And then forgive and release the person who has offended you. Even if they never come to you to ask for forgiveness. Even if they never come to you to repent, we are still called to forgive and to release. And I know that that is a journey. And sometimes we have to forgive every day. And sometimes we have to forgive the same thing multiple times a day because we relapse and we kind of get closer to that backpack and it looks kind of cool and we want to pick it up again. And so I encourage you to be aware of that. After you forgive and release, you may need to keep doing it multiple times. But part of the key in being able to truly release somebody from an offense is to pray for them. And that's not easy. But it's Jesus' yoke. 
It's his way. Your prayers might start out really basic and simple and generic. But I encourage you to allow God's heart for that person to take you into a deeper spot of prayer and intercession for them, even if they never know you're praying. It's not about what people know. It's not about you, except for your freedom. See, unforgiveness chains us. It binds us. Our hands are not useful for God's kingdom if we're bound by unforgiveness. And so, I encourage you to ask Jesus for help in this difficult assignment. And the final part that I wanted to look at today is from 1 John 4.16. We have come to know and have believed with deep, consistent faith the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in God I'm sorry, I misread that. The one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides continually in him. Be rooted in the love of God. Believe the love that Christ has for you. Let me read it again in the NIV. Sometimes the words are too wordy, aren't they? The extra words. Well, Carla might not think that, but... Let me just read it again. First John four sixteen. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in him. I pray for each one of us today that we will be more deeply rooted in God's love that we will know and rely upon his love for us see when when we're rooted in God's love when we're relying on his love we're not seeking man's approval When we're living for the approval of God alone, we're not as easily offended by what other people do or how they might block us from achieving something that we think we need to do. When we're rooted in God's love, other people's successes will not offend us. When we take on the yoke of Jesus, when we are united with him 
and we learn to walk in his teachings and walk in his ways, what he asks us to carry will not be a burden. It will not be wearisome. We will find rest and peace for our souls. It doesn't mean we're going to sit around and do nothing. It just means that the assignments that he gives us, we will be able to do together with him. But it takes some wrestling. And it takes choices. And it takes practice to forgive and to love and to pray for those who offend us and those who hurt us. Even when we truly, truly have been sinned against, Jesus says, my way is forgiveness. My way is love. My way is to pray. I would just, I would, Chuck, if you could just play some worship music. I just would like if we could marinate in God's presence a bit. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. We invite you to use your word to speak to our hearts today. We invite you to show us how to forgive and give us the strength to walk in forgiveness and love. See, taking on the yoke of Jesus is a choice. Confessing our offense and our hurt to God is a choice. Choosing to listen to God's correction and direction is a choice. He did not make us as puppets whom he can control. Forgiveness is a choice. And Jesus knows how we've been created. And he doesn't control us. But he invites us to come. He invites us to come to him. He invites us to take on his teachings. To be united with him. He invites us to choose forgiveness. Jesus, I just thank you for each person here today. You see our hearts. You know what we've walked through. Each one of us individually, you know where we are in our journey with you. You know where we are in our relationships with others. And we just invite you to come. 
to show us your way. And more importantly, to empower us to walk in your way. So that we can be free. So we can be free of the hindrances and the stumbling blocks and the offenses. So we can be free and fully released to do your kingdom work in this region and around the world. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to cleanse our hearts and empower us today. I'm going to invite the prayer team to come and the worship team. Um, and, and as our invitation today, we, we looked at some hard verses, and I'm, we all know that. The thing that's always interesting to me is how what seems like the hard choices to make and the hard thing to do bring great freedom when we choose to obey God. His ways are not our ways. His ways are not the ways of the world. His, real, his kingdom really is an upside-down kingdom. But I'm thankful that he gives us the strength to obey when we ask for it. So our invitation for prayer, if there is um, something that you just would like extra prayer for in being able to release a burden that you want to lay down before Jesus, I invite you to come up. The prayer team, they said they had a great early prayer this morning, and they're, they're here. They're ready to stand with you as you make those difficult decisions to obey what God might be asking you to do. So I invite you to come. I also invite you to come for prayer. If you are, look, if you are needing healing or if you have any other need, Um, that you want someone to stand with you in.